Hello and welcome to Touching the Sunrise podcast. I am Sister Catherine Herms, author of Surviving Depression, A Catholic Approach, and Reclaim Regret, How God Heals Life's Disappointments, and Spiritual Guide in the Heartwork Program, which specializes in helping people walk the road of spiritual growth and inner healing. For the past 10 years, I have been walking alongside wonderful women and men who want a more heart-centered and spiritual life, but would like support along the way, through online programs, groups, and one-on-one spiritual guidance. I walk with people along a contemplative and healing path, one that has been trodden for thousands of years. Basically, I'm here to help you surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, who has come to make your being the throne of the Holy Trinity, so that your life, your prayer, your relationships, your dreams and goals will most deeply satisfy the desires of your heart. You can find out more about me and what God has led me to do in the world by visiting my website, touchingthesunrise.com. Welcome back to our third presentation on our learnings for those middle years of our life. And we have Jeanette with us today. Thank you, Sister Catherine. I'm delighted to be back. And I'm really excited about going into our third learning. But first, let us just um, repeat the first two learnings and our first two presentations. The first learning was we have to get lost in order to find ourselves. The second learning is be attentive to pockets of possibility. And the third learning is to go forward. We must stop looking back. And we see how they kind of build on each other. But I wanted to take one step back, a biblical step back, if you will. When we're talking about leaning into possibilities, looking forward, often in the literature for midlife, we're looking forward at our best selves, our, the, our ultimate dream, what we're going to stably make ourselves to be. Um, but, but as Christians, we also have another way of looking forward, of leaning forward. And, and that's really to the complete destiny that we were created for, the complete destiny that the Holy Spirit longs to fulfill in us. The Holy Spirit alone really knows that dream and plan God had in his mind when he created us. And so that wonderful phrase in Romans 8.26 from Paul, where he talks about the Spirit groans within us. And, and God knows what that groan means. The Holy Spirit alone is longing for us to reach the ultimate fulfillment of that destiny for which we were created. And sometimes in our frailty, we don't quite know what that destiny is. We talked about that a little bit last time, how we have an idea of what we think we want or need, but the Holy Spirit knows the long story, the big picture, the picture with the, the lens from eternity. Um, he knows that most beautiful us in the eyes of God, the most lovable us in the eyes of God that we could become, that we will become through 
the grace of God. And that's that ultimate destiny that in maybe our midlife years, we really begin to hone in on or maybe to feel that, that longing for, that sense more than we may have before. So also, so many things are in turmoil and changing in our midlife years, we can be convinced that every detail of our lives is really woven together to fit into God's perfect plan for us. That plan that always seeks to bring good into our lives. Because we've been called to fulfill a purpose that is on the world stage of salvation history. I, I often talk about St. Joseph. St. Joseph had little plans for his life. You know, he was gonna marry Mary, the Blessed Mother, and they were gonna live a very holy life together. But in the meantime, <laughs> after their betrothal, God took him to the world stage, the eternal stage of salvation history. Um, and his yes to God's ultimate destiny for him um, put him as a player in the life of Jesus and really for all eternity as the patron of the church and the patron of those who die a holy death and someone who is right there interceding for us whenever we call upon him. So his ultimate destiny was much higher than he thought it was going to be, but that's the same for all of us. We have no idea really of that way that we're being called to live that ultimate destiny in God's mystery. So to keep walking forward to this destiny, we need to say no to going back in the sense of going back to those um, uh, provisional parts of ourself, to that struggle that we've had to maybe believe in ourselves or to trust other people. Things that we, we have over time moved through or are moving through. And um, the evil one would very much want to say, remember, actually, remember, remember, remember the past, remember who you were. Right. To keep going forward, we have to stop looking back. Because when we look back, in some respects, we're looking back to a bent, bruised part of ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, bent and bruised feelings or attitudes or struggles or desires that over time and God's, with God's grace have um, been transformed into something closer to that ultimate destiny for which we have been created. So the character of this would be light, um, firmness, steadiness, beauty. So to walk forward is really to stand on God's purpose and God's promise to us. Yeah, I, I, I'm listening to you talk, sister, and, and I'm really reflecting on how we let that evil one allow us to keep remembering and keep remembering. You know, who hasn't lain awake at, at three o'clock in the morning fretting over past events, past decisions, and past pain. It's easy to hang on to. I know I've been that person awake at three o'clock and probably more than once. It seems to me that somehow the gremlins of the past are always with us, waiting for those moments of vulnerability to attack us. And 
to be honest, there are things in my past I would give almost anything to change. And the inability to change them is what weighs on me. It drags me down. And in some ways, it insinuates itself into my present life and it poisons it. It is toxic. So when that happens, and it does happen fairly frequently, I turn to prayer and I turn to study and I turn to meditation because allowing those gremlins in my life actually goes counter to my faith, to my life in Christ. I have to remember as I'm looking back on the sins that I regret that Jesus died on a cross because of all those sins I committed. He knew I would do them and he still loved me so much that he accepted this terrible death for me. So knowing that, knowing, just bearing that in mind for a moment, how can I possibly dwell on past mistakes? I have to move forward. I have to live better. I have to grow and change and improve because that is what Christ calls me to do. His death has washed me of those sins. Dwelling on them, that's the same as saying, yeah, but my feelings about this are more important than your death for me. How can a Catholic say that? We can't stay mired in the past because we of all people know that our past mistakes and sins have been forgiven. So knowing that, how can we possibly allow the past to drag us down now? How can we possibly allow those gremlins to take over our lives and our thoughts and our hearts? So I think that's a great introduction to today's presentation and conversation, which really is looking at what do we experience in those middle years and particularly in a time of deeper uh, soul searching? Um, I try not to use the word crisis. There's a lot of uh, literature out there that there is no such thing as a midlife crisis. Um, but there's a midlife transformation. There's a midlife intense, uh, mm, almost like uh, when you take uh, iron and you stick it in the fire. You know, there's that intense intensity for periods of time. And like I spoke of the last year of my life as an example, mm -hmm. I don't consider that a crisis. I consider that one of those intense in the fire moments. <laughs> and, and God is with me in the fire, put me in the fire because he knows what he wants to make of me. But Oftentimes, we don't remember that when we're going through these difficult times. And because we feel, we feel differently. We feel, we feel exhausted. We may go through periods, long periods, where we um, may even feel bored or just discontented with our job, um, with our home, uh, with what we used to do in our life, with our lifestyle. We may, on the other hand, have a lot of frantic energy. Um, a feeling of restlessness and maybe we take up something completely different, a, wholly, a whole different job or a whole different hobby. Um, another, uh, another characteristic of these middle years um, is self-questioning. Um, questioning, as we were talking about earlier, these decisions that we made years earlier, wondering what is the meaning of life. Part of this last year or a couple years has been like, what am I doing? What is, what am I here for? What am I supposed to be accomplishing? You know, 
And I could say, oh, I'm having a great vocation crisis. But in reality, it's one of those in the fire moments where God is saying, where you were was fine for then, but it's not enough for now. Right. So we are moving right. forward now. Um, so there can be a lot of confusion about who you are, where your life is going. Um, a lot of people daydream. They're, I spend a lot of time just looking out the window wondering and waiting and, and there's something beautiful about boredom and daydreaming even at this time it goes counter to our using every moment and getting our efficient our efficient mode um, but it's very helpful because it allows um, the pieces of our life to reconfigure on their own without the domination of our mind our memories our uh, our, our, you know, our values, but to uh, just allow it to reconfigure and to show us a new part of ourselves mm -hmm. that we couldn't come to on our own. Some people can feel irritable. Um, they can have unexpected anger, um, a persistent sadness. Um, they can have greatly decreased or increased um, ambition. They might desire to quit a job. Um, the, some people decide to, that they're going to get into physical shape. <laughs> that hasn't happened to me. Well, it hasn't happened to me, sister. A little bit, but uh, <laughs> a little bit. I'd really like to jump on that one, but it hasn't happened. <laughs> I haven't joined the gym yet and gone there every day. Okay. <laughs> you can explore new musical tastes. All these things are really beautiful ways in which you're reconfiguring even your day, your, your lifestyle, your schedule. Um, what you're allowing into your space. Um, so new musical tastes, new, new books. Um, uh, you can hang out with a different generation um, because maybe you're finding yourself stimulated by younger people or you really love sitting with the, the elderly and just learning from their wisdom. There's just a greater capacity to look over the arc of life and to mine from your relationships, something mm -hmm. really powerfully strong. So um, you might pick up a musical instrument uh, or pick up one that you used, you learned as a child, but dropped because you didn't have the instrument or you didn't have the time to practice and play. Maybe you'll pick up drawing or painting, uh, writing books or poetry. Uh, on the other hand, your sleep patterns may shift um, usually toward less, mm -hmm. and that can be um, problematic. Another thing that happens in these middle years is a lot of thinking about death, wondering about the nature of death, uh, wondering about uh, what my death will be like, um, how long I'll have my parents if you're so blessed to still have them. A lot of, a lot of it is just re-asking again and again, where am I going with my life? What do I want to accomplish in the time I have left? Um, you can look into the mirror and say, who am I? I don't recognize who I've become. I want to take charge of that. I want to be who I'm really meant to be. But not always knowing exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. So what are some practical ways or some transformative ways of living through this 
sometimes confusing and exciting time of our life. The first is to embrace change, to embrace the movement that is happening. All these things we talked about just are like little flag posts coming up saying something's happening, something's changing, a transformation is underway. And that can be one of the most beautiful and amazing parts of our life and of our experience. When we flow with that change, even if we don't know where the change is going, but we make these little, little, we say these little yeses to, to new things in our life. We try new things. We get the support of others or we enter into um, friendships and uh, uh, relationships with people that can really um, support us in that moment of change. But if we decide not to change, if we feel that that movement and it's frightening and it can be frightening, it's frightening also because we don't know where it's going and it's something different than we've experienced for the last 20 years when there's been stability. If we say no to sometimes a nightmare of confusion, um, that can really be a problem because the confusion is not going to stop. It's going to keep on going. And if we keep saying no for whatever reason, not realizing what's happening, not accepting what's happening, um, not being comfortable with, with what's happening, we'll decide to go back. Right. We'll decide to pick up some past comfort in our life that will uh, allow us to go back to our old life. And a lot of times those past comforts, those um, past ways we kind of um, uh, allowed ourselves to feel good about ourselves mm -hmm. um, aren't always the best. They're not always the healthiest. They may be a little on the addictive style, especially when they're not appropriate now. And they're not, they're not matching who God is calling us to transform, uh, to become ultimately in the destiny he's made for us. So when I, we all know people who in their 50s and 60s um, look like they're trying to be in their 20s or 30s and we go like something's out of place here something doesn't doesn't match here and so uh it's saying no to that transformation that is is coming um i just i'm trying to remember a headline i recently read um, and it was something like i don't have a problem with my gray hair my gray hair i won that gray hair through what I lived through in my life. And it represents and shows my age, who I'm becoming at this point in my life. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to color your hair. I know plenty of good and wonderful people who color their hair, but, but just her, her kind of, her personal look at the way her body was aging and her choice in that way to say, um, I'm gonna accept that. You know, and I'm going to make that a part of who I am. In the same way, a person can color their hair, and that represents who they're becoming. But in every, in, in every little decision that we're making during this time, 
we want to make it in view of what's God doing in me? What's changing? How am I transforming? And how can I let that happen? How can I be um, saying yes? How can I be seconding what is happening? Right. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm really struck by, by your talking about saying yes. Um, a friend of mine this past summer told me, this is the summer of yes. And I said, what does that mean? And she said, you know, people will say, let's go out for coffee. And I say, oh, no, I don't, you know, I really don't have time. I don't feel like it. Or someone will say, I'm going to see a movie. Will you come with me? And I'll say, oh, I really don't want to stay out that late. Um, and she said, this summer, I am saying yes to everything and seeing how it's going to change my life. And at the end of the summer, I noticed a change in her, that she felt lighter, that she felt happier. And I love that, the summer of yes. And, and that's really important because change is never, ever, ever easy. It may be wonderful, it may be transformative, but it is never easy. So, you know, learning to accept that change and to have that summer of yes, I think is so important. But I do have um, a really concrete example of someone saying yes to change and having it transform their life. And it's very personal. Um, when I was growing up, I have to say my family was financially very well off and my mother did not have to work outside the home. And in fact, just amongst us, she actually didn't work much inside the home either because we had some people who cleaned and cooked and drove us around and that sort of thing. And I never really understood this at the time, but looking back, I realized that she was intensely unhappy. She was smart, she was talented, and she had no way to use her brain or her talents. So that, that sort of cast a pall, I think, on, on my childhood. But if you fast forward to when my mother turned 55, my parents moved to the United States, and things changed a lot for them. And one day she learned that a church in the next town over needed a secretary and that the pastor had said they need somebody mature. I guess they'd had some problems with young people not being up to, the, up to snuff there. Um, and somehow my mother found the courage to apply and she was hired and it was a total transformation from that moment until she died, unfortunately at the early age of 63, my mother was happy. She was working around people. She was able to use her skills and her mind. She became seen by many in that parish as sort of a mother to them. Her midlife was so much better for her than her early adult years had been. She finally had become the person she was meant to be. She had the joy she deserved. And I am so grateful that my mother had that midlife experience. Wow, that is a great story and a great um, hope that um, if we make those, that big change or a little change, whatever it may be. Whether it's a summer, summer of yes or a life change. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, that we will find that happiness that maybe we've been looking for all along mm -hmm. that we haven't quite found yet. Um, I love that too because she moved into a very generative place, which in right. some ways... Um, she wasn't necessarily always able to, um, to live in those younger years when she didn't have, she wasn't able to cook or to be there or to drive or to give herself um, in these other ways. And so she really entered into that generativity. Exactly. 
exactly. that is so life-giving and life-fulfilling. That's beautiful. Um, so your, your story shows also that it's a great time then to experiment with new perspectives, new ideas, um, new angles of yourself as your mother did there. Um, it almost in a midlife is a time to restart our life. Right. And reboot. Reboot. Yeah, reboot. There's <laughs> <laughs> a person moving down this path. They're not going to have the, uh, the luxury of doing everything perfectly because experimenting means some experiments are not going to work until <laughs> you find the experiment that really, really does. So as a result, when we look around at ourselves or others in midlife, we know that people are, or do make many mistakes as they just give a trial at um, a new job or this type of hobby or whatever it may be. Um, they're trying new actions, they're trying new ideas out. Um, but we have to be able to flow with our mistakes because even our mistakes can help us to grow. So when we say the summer of yes, the year of yes, we're also saying yes to the experiments, not mistakes necessarily, but the experiments that don't work out or might be a little bit of a dead end or a detour um, until we find the yes that is truly us. I love talking about new perspectives because I think that's one of the things that you, you find when you say, I'm going to be open to things. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to make changes. Um, I'm French, so I have to quote at some point in my life, Marcel Proust, um, who wrote extraordinarily long books that nobody likes to read in school. But um, he did say something that I, I think is really relevant here. He said, the real act of discovery consists not in finding new lands, but in seeing with new eyes. And I think that's one of the things that finding these perspectives is about, is to say, you know, I had a lot of assumptions. I've gone through life with a lot of assumptions and I see things in a certain way. And what if I turned to a different angle? What if I, I looked at things a little bit differently? If I stand off to the left or to the right and look at it, it may change things. And I just, I, I was, got so excited when you talked, when you told me that we were going to be doing this because I said, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so interested in looking at, at how to find new perspectives. So I did look, um, look a lot, I, I read a lot, and I just wanted to share a few ways um, of getting through the sort of hump of, of no and into yes to find these new perspectives and especially to do it in midlife. And the first thing is to realize that change is difficult. Um, you're feeling some angst around it, and that is totally normal. Um, if, if, if you understand that everybody feels that, then it can help you stop blaming yourself for your feelings and learn to accept them. It doesn't mean you won't still get disappointed. Obviously, you're still going to make mistakes, but at least you could stop berating yourself for how you feel because that just, that just makes it go on longer. You know, if, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this. Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. Oh, I shouldn't be feeling that I shouldn't be feeling this. That can go on forever. So just, you know, accept that, that some of this is scary and it's okay. And that kind of um, goes into the, my next point, which is to interrupt your internal critic. Um, we're basically wired to just keep, moving forward 
um, not in a healthy way, the way we're talking about here, but you know, to make more money and to get that job promotion and to do all those things. And um, comparing our achievements to others' achievements is not going to be helpful here. When we talk about moving forward here, we're talking about moving forward in a, in a very different way from still trying to climb that ladder. Um, so if you can tell yourself, I don't have to be better than anyone else or stop comparing, um, that may help you catch yourself and keep your mind from spinning. The next thing is to stay present. I know that right now it's very fashionable to talk about mindfulness, but it's something that comes out of a very deep and ancient Christian tradition. Um, so let's, let's go back to being mindful and to staying in the moment and to stop thinking about that next step on the ladder because we don't have to be on the ladder now. Um, and the other thing that, that this is for you and me, sister, um, <laughs> some physical exercise can also help clear your mind and keep you in the moment and keep you from comparing yourself to others. Um, this is one that I really need to take to heart. <laughs> um, and, and, then, and then also share, share what you're feeling with others. Um, if you're feeling discontented, if you're feeling like you're about to say no to something, if you're feeling like I'm not sure I'm in the right direction, you've got a community. You've got your parish and your community of faith. You've got the community of your family. You've got the community of your, your peers and your friends. And it is okay to talk about this. Um, in fact, it's going to help other people who are also going through it and aren't sure how to get to that yes that we're talking about. Um, you'll feel much less alone that way. And then finally, um, what, what I learned, and this is so applicable, I think, is to take small steps and don't leap. Because it's really easy to stand here and say, okay, I'm going to say yes and change things in a radical way. Um, you're gonna buy the BMW, you're gonna get the divorce, you're going to move to Australia. You're going, you know, those are impulses. And in the end, they're probably not as healthy as getting to where you're going through small steps. Um, you don't wanna radically shake things up. You don't wanna throw away your life's work or your family or going off to some tropical island, um, what you want to do is make small changes that are aligned with your faith, um, that are aligned with your skills, that are aligned with the, th the direction you want your life to go. And just make that, yes, um, keep as small as you can, because that's what's going to lead you forward. Um, that's wonderful. I, I think connected to that, Jeanette, is our next little thought is about changing your mind. Changing your mind is really a luxury um, and it's really important today because everybody has an opinion about everything. Exactly. And it almost seems from uh, social media, the commenting on news sites that, uh, or even talk radio, uh, that the real smart people are people who have a very strong opinion about everything. Right, right. But you know, we really can't have a strong opinion about everything. And really, to have a strong opinion, we need time. 
We need study. We need reflection. We need prayer. We need mm -hmm. discernment. And of course, we may not really see that when we're younger because we're, we're looking at, you know, the opinions of what we need to build a family. And of course you need to, where do I want to live? I believe living in this kind of a home is really important. Those are really powerful and good opinions. And in our younger years, we're building up a sense of, of what we believe, what we value, who we are. Um, but in our midlife years, uh, we hear plenty of people in midlife expanding their opinions about things. And, you know, it might be simply smart to step back and say, I don't know. You know, or I really feel I would uh, benefit from learning more about something. And all this does is open up some space for new ideas or new angles of ideas. Um, uh, more aspects of a value that we hold to enter into our thinking and our planning and our life. It simply opens us up to receive. When I have a very strong opinion and I'm not able to listen to anything else because my opinion is so strong, I'm the one who is impoverished. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who loses out. And if I am to become that ultimate destiny of myself, I have to learn how to live in the not knowing, in the, as spiritually we would say, unknowing. Because in that unknowing space, I can be taught by God. Yes. And yes. in the I don't know space of life, <laughs> I can be taught by others and incorporate all their beauty and treasures and goodness and wisdom in part the parts that I want to take as my own. I can incorporate that into who I am and decide there are certain things and values and ideas that I don't want to take on necessarily, but I understand them better now. And I can actually converse with people who hold those ideas and values um, in a civil way and in a way that opens us both up to learning something new. So the whole idea of giving ourselves the uncomfortable luxury of, of not knowing. Yeah. And uh, I think lastly, we really wanted to look at how midlife is a time to simplify. Um, there are so many changes happening during those middle years in our lives. Um, changes we already talked about. And sometimes you can see um, a lot of simplification because we, we just need to get rid of all the extra stuff so we can see who am I, not with all the clothes or the houses or the, all the extra stuff that we've accumulated, but who am I? And sometimes that simplification comes for Forza because we downsize or we move into a smaller location um, or we move in with family or whatever it may be. Um, we, we are no longer the CEO. <laughs> so we right. don't corner, right. a big corner place. <laughs> we have a little cubicle or whatever it may be. Um, but uh, we don't have as much money, so gifts are much smaller. All these things help us 
to, to hone in on what is the truest part of me, uh, of what God is calling me to become. Exactly. That's, that's so important, sister. Um, this, this, whole, this whole thought of what am I being called into being? What, be, what in me is, is changing so that God's calling me to this better me, this other me, this, this amazing me? Um, and, and I like the, the idea of simplification. I've been thinking about simplification for a very long time. It, I think it's one of the greatest gifts of midlife um, because we, this is where we get the chance to figure out what to take with us on the rest of our journey and what things are standing in our way, what things are weighing us down, what things we're dragging along after us. And in an earlier podcast, you probably remember, I talked about selling my big old captain's house and I am so glad I did. My mortgage now that I pay is a third of what I was paying for a lot of space I wasn't using. And I think I did talk about how that was dragging me down. And I can't imagine now, several years on, still having that sort of chain and, 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 and being chained to a thing, a thing I didn't need. Um, so this is a time that you can learn what it is you need to own and what you don't need to own. For example, books. I always thought that I needed thousands of books and I don't. There's a library. I need some books. Yes, there are books that I use regularly that I need to have at hand, but there's also a library. I don't need to own that stuff. So ask yourself, do you need all those books? Do you need all those clothes? Do you need all those appliances? You can either give them away or you can have a yard sale, use the money for something good. And I can assure you that when you do something like that, you feel lighter. Your soul feels lighter. Even your body feels lighter. It's also a time you can simplify other things. So for example, do you need all the people that are in your life right now? Are there people in your life who are toxic to you? Now, I'm not saying you can actually get rid of someone like your mother-in-law who may be on your nerves, but you can keep these people from renting space in your head. Do you need to worry about them all the time? Do you need to go over all the resentments that you have with these people? You don't need to do that. This is a time to decide where you want to spend your time and who you want to spend it with. And that's not just physically who you want to spend it with, but who you want to have in your head, in your mind. This is a time to let go. It's a time to not dwell on slights or perceived slights. It's, a, it's time to not dwell on what somebody said to you and what you said back to them. Just let it go. Because frankly, this is a time, if ever there were a time that you can learn that all that petty stuff is not worth hanging on to. Wow, that's like a manifesto. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> like a program of life. Here's the map for getting peace of soul. <laughs> so basically what we're talking about in these middle years is this attempt to restart life to better fit our heart. Yes. And even to actually be in more harmony with the Holy Spirit in greater harmony with that ultimate destiny that God has created us for, which we talked about at the beginning 
of our time together, this conversation. So we're talking really about a number of years, you know, 10 to 20 years. So we're talking about progress, movement, little steps, constant uh, realignments, modifications, rather than achieving a goal. This is like a casual saunter <laughs> and not a marathon <laughs> for a prize at the end. Um, we're talking about giving ourselves the luxury, the joy that we've always wanted of living a life of purpose. We're talking about searching for lasting happiness. And I think, Jeanette, your idea of uh, making this the year of yes is just a very simple key uh, into everything that's been said now about how our life will begin to change on its own in beautiful ways. Because with each yes, we can reflect on it, we can take time to uh, see what that yes meant, yeah. what our response was, um, what has changed, what we received from it, and how we want to be in our next yes. So as we end here, we invite everybody to a year of yes. Um, Amen. And also a year of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit within you is already saying, yes, yes. And when we harmonize our yes with that of the Holy Spirit, only good and beautiful things can happen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for joining us and God bless you all. God has amazing ways of knocking on people's hearts, awakening desires, arousing questions, provoking an unexpected spiritual fire. Remember, if you'd like some extra support and are ready to embark on a sustained spiritual journey, you can connect with me in a number of ways by going to my website, touchingthesunrise.com. So until the next time, take care of yourself. And remember that you are not alone. You are loved no matter what. And when you search within yourself, you will not only find yourself, but the throne of the Divine Trinity. You have a calling, a mission, and every gift, every grace, every moment, even every fall, mistake, and sin is a step toward your completely and wholly being taken up into the mystery of God's love for you and for all creation. Remember always that you have a treasure of inexpressible joy hidden in an earthen vessel, small and fragile. May this overflowing joy fill you and yours with this fragrance. God be with you.